Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Morning.
Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Okay, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I got my lights back on. Praise God. Yeah, congratulations. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. So back um at full capacity. So <laughs> if that's what you wanna call it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh um, hold on one second. Were you able to get to the story yesterday? No. Because <clears throat> I wasted all day again waiting on that package. And then when I went downstairs and I checked the mail, because um, I, w- I was like, well, let me see if they, you know, just left the package and didn't update it on the, on the computer. Because <clears throat> the, the message said the same thing that it said on Wednesday. And... um. 
so on the computer they had said they couldn't access the location. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that wasn't it. The, the person just never rang the doorbell because mm-hmm. they put, put the slip in, in my mailbox and they're talking about the packages at the post office. I'm not going yeah. to pick So I'm going to call this morning. And um, at first I was just going to tell them to send it back, but I think I'll let them, you know, they can try again tomorrow because um, it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. So I'm not going, I'm not going out tomorrow um, walking in all that rain because they're like, it's supposed to, I mean, it's supposed to like, basically be like downpours like all freaking day. So um, they can try again tomorrow, but um, if I can actually speak to a person, um, I'm going to all I had to do was ring the doorbell. That's it. I'm sitting up here. I wasted two days waiting on them because um, someone wouldn't do their job. That's just ridiculous. And going yeah. forward, if I can't, if I can't afford to to have it delivered by UPS, then I just won't be able to get it because I'm I'm just tired of this with the with the post office. It's it's past ridiculous. Oh wow! You know, I paid ten dollars for postage, and you think I'm gonna walk to the post office to pick it up? No, it's your job. Mm-hmm. Deliver it. Right. Not to mention, I mean that that box. You know, it's it's a heavy box. So and I'm be on foot? No, I'm not doing that. You in a vehicle. Maybe that's why they didn't deliver because it was a box. Cause they lazy. She had to bring it to the she had to bring it to the building. So you gonna you gonna lug the box to the building, okay, and not ring the bell. The time that it took her to write out that slip, she could have rang the bell and I could have came downstairs. That's what I'm saying. Because the box was so big, she never carried it. She looked at it on. Maybe she looked at it. No, in I mean, the it's, not, it's not like like huge, huge. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that is heavy. Um, and so they'll bring it. They'll bring it to the building, but then they won't ring the bell. That's like so stupid to me. Because this is not the first time this has happened. You said it's a female. It well, it doesn't matter. Whether it's male or female. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A lot of times they don't even carry. They don't even carry the package. They're just like, I'm not lugging that. And they'll just leave the ticket. I've seen them, you know, when they're at the um, truck. When it depends on where they park at. Because sometimes yeah. they'll park right outside the building. They'll carry it in then. Right. If they park at the corner. They they might not. They might wait and see if they see the person. But see, I haven't had that happen. If when they ring the bell and I come downstairs, they have the package. <laughs> you know, this is you know they just sometimes they just get lazy. They won't ring. They won't ring the bell, and it doesn't mm-hmm. home. And that just pisses me off because like I've been sitting here all freaking day waiting on you for you to say I wasn't home. And so that just I'm just I'm just tired of it. So. I'm going to have to, like I said, if I can't afford to, to get it sent by UPS, then I'm going to have to figure something else out um, on packages because I'm, I'm tired of the post office. Mm. Tired, tired. And it doesn't do any good to complain because they don't care. They care? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's one of. I mean, the post office is gonna is gonna be there. It's not like and I'm gonna lose their job because somebody complained about a, a postal employee. <laughs> So nobody, nobody really even cares, you know. But I'm thinking like, okay, you all complain about the fact that you're losing money. Mm-hmm, I understand why. Mm. Oh well. Okay, but I ain't gonna get on that soapbox today. Uh-huh. <laughs> but. Um, I may or may not be on here for the whole time today because um, I do have to go to the store and I got to do that early because the other stuff I got to do is gonna is gonna um, take time and I know I'll be exhausted after that. Um, I'm definitely not gonna go afterwards, so I'm gonna as soon as I crawl up from up under this warm bed, I got to get ready to. Uh, to go to the store. I totally understand. I totally understand. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold long anyway. Cause I was I thought I was gonna be able to get through this this week, but this is gonna be ongoing. <laughs> and until it's done, so you know we'll just we'll just be doing it for the Mondays until it's okay. done. Yeah, because I looked, I looked, and I'm like, ooh, he really said a lot. <laughs> More than I even thought, you know. So, yeah, like starting uh, a project and be like, okay, this is going to take longer than I thought it would. Yeah. I was just like, oh, we'll just, you know, hit all the dead points. But I'm like, no, you got you to gotta read it in context. And it's like, hmm, hmm. You know, he, he really did live the example of what, he was talking on some can't skim through and you know, but like okay, I'm gonna skip that and go to this and yeah. No. Gotta be point by point. You know so can't can't go there. <laughs> I'm sorry, as we're talking I'm trying to get my mind together. Because I hit the snooze button. <laughs> oh, I definitely understand that. Oh, my gosh. I I was, for some reason, last night, I mean, I can't say I couldn't sleep because I know I fell out once I hit the bed, but I woke up about 2.30, no, about 2 o'clock. And from like two o'clock to about two thirty, it just seemed like there was something in my room. Mm. You know, and I kept and the way my my room was set up. 
my back is to the door, <clears throat> and I kept listening. You know how when you listen, you can't go, you know, stop listening like, what is, it was just something was, it felt like something was in my room. It wasn't bothering me or anything. It was just in my room. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I used, I used my um, the flashlight on my phone, and there was nothing there. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I was like, well, I said in my head, you don't bother me. I'm not bothering you. And so I rolled back over to go to sleep, you know. And then um, that's when the lights came on. So I was like, maybe that's what I was feeling, anticipation. That was still in the lights. I don't know, but after that, I was, I was, you know, I went back to sleep. But it was just weird. It was really weird. Might have had a, a visitor, but that didn't mean you harm. Right. Now, do right. you see spirits? No. Okay. No, not that I'm aware of, and I really don't. I let me shut up because. I said, I said I don't have dreams either, but I started having them in the middle. I said, no, I don't have dreams. <laughs> so I'm not walking into that trap. Nope. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just asked because, you know, you said you put your fla- your the flashlight on on your phone. So I was like, okay, do you see spirits? Um, oh. But I've had that happen to me actually um like like long before um, I started on the prayer call and things, back when I had my house, sometimes I'd, I'd wake up, you know, not fully awake, but, you know, awake enough to be aware mm-hmm. and see if there was a presence in the room. And it would scare me at first because I'm thinking like, you know, you know, when you live alone, you get scared if you think somebody, you know, in your house that you didn't let in. And, um, you know, and I would be scared at first and then, um, I would like you know like calm down, and I would just attribute it to the you know it was my grandmother visiting me. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just attribute it to her, you know, like checking on me or whatever. Um, because you know my initial fear was just that there was a stranger in my room. You know, like you know who's who's in my room. Um, but then once I uh you know like took a a deep breath and remember, okay, fam, you know, the alarm didn't go off and, you know, the door, the bedroom door is locked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, try to do a little, you know, sleep rationing. Um, it's like, okay, just, just calm down, calm down. And I would be okay. And then eventually I go back to sleep. Ooh. Ooh. That's pretty much. What I did last time, it, it was this morning. I did. I went back to sleep all night. Because like you said, I was like, if it meant me harm, it would have did harm. It was just, just kind of there. And it was just like, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, the lights came on, and I'm just like, oh, okay. So I got up, and I, I turned out, you know, whatever lights were on. Um, when I, um, 
you know, when they went out and then I went back to sleep. I was like, oh, I kind of like it because the way my house is set up, it gets pitch black if there's no lights in the house. Mm, okay. And so it's like, and then I have, like, blackout curtains over some of the main windows because of the way the sun shines in. So it's just like no moonlight, no no light whatsoever from the street or nothing comes on my end of the house. So um, then, like, it's only been a couple of nights. I'm like, oh, I like this because... <laughs> Because, you know, when I go to sleep, I go to sleep in my room with no TV, no lights. So for the whole house to be like that was kind of nice. And it was quiet and, you know, and I didn't, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm weird. Because I even had to tell my son, like, he was like, we went to the library again yesterday, and um, on the way home, he was like, I just want the lights to come on. And I'm like, but I said, I, I said, I wouldn't mind. I said, boy, what are we really missing without having lights on, you know? And he was like, I said, we still have food, right? He was like, yeah, I said, okay, we still have a roof over our head. It was still warm. I said, it's not like it's a it's a, you know, a snowstorm or anything like that. So what are we really missing? I said, the only thing we're really missing is the TV. And he was like, well, I guess. I was like, I said, because during the day, the sun is in the house. And we don't usually have the lights on anyway, right? And he was like, well, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so we're good. He's like, hmm. Then like two seconds later, he goes, but I really want the lights on. And so I'm like, that's how we are, you know. <laughs> that's how we are. Like, well, I, but I really, yeah, I'm looking at the positive, but I really just want, you know, so, yeah, I said, that was a learning experience right there for me. I said, that's how we are, you know, as believers, like, you know, God gives us what we need, and he tells us, I'll give you what you need. Maybe not always what you want, but I'll give you what you need, you know. But what I, what I really want, you know, he said, well, I really, I gave you the strength to be able to get on the bus and, you know, and, and be able to walk and, you know, I gave you the money for the for the bus and, you know, or Uber or whatever. And, but I really want a car. I really want, you know, and he said, okay, but you're still getting around, right? Like, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you know, I like being able to leave when I want to leave. I don't want to be on anybody else's timetable or nothing like that. But he's just like, yeah. 
But you're all right. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay. So since you're not going to be able to stay around, I don't know who all will be coming on and jumping off. Um, okay, I will start the... I'm sorry. I can't. I don't know how to talk and text at the same time. I don't see how kids are doing. Like, okay, no, I need to. I need to hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so sad. I can multitask everything else, but that, like, how do y'all do that? Oh, I'm talking and texting. Uh, I can walk and chew gum. I can <laughs> pat my head and rub my stomach. But talking and texting, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm gonna, I, I get rude. I, yeah, as you can see. Yes, I'm 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 my I'm reboot for a second. I'm stalling. <laughs> Give me a second. Okay. I don't wanna be sounding crazy. Like what is she talking about today? <laughs> she says Saint Matthew, what is she reading? <laughs> <laughs> Be <laughs> like, I don't know, hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. Lord, let me stop. Oh, this is the recorded one. Somebody's going to hear this. Be like, what is she smoking this early in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing. I'm <laughs> coming down off of. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. All right. All right, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just needed some water. I needed to hydrate my brain. From all that snoring I did last night. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, and it's about to be at your worship song for today. Excuse me. It's called <clears throat> He Reigns Forever. Um, All Hell King Jesus. Is that the name of the song? It's old. I'm, I'm quite sure you'll be able to find it on YouTube as well. Make sure that's the name of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who's on that phone. 
The Brooklyn Mass Choir. Yeah, that sounds about right. The Brooklyn Mass Choir made this song um, like legendary for me. I don't know about anybody else, but um, yeah, the Brooklyn Mass Choir. <clears throat> it's called All Hell King Jesus. And um, is is you know traditional gospel music, and just something to get you to pat your head and, and pat your head or pat your feet and rock your head too. Today is your you're getting ready to leave out your house or even as you're at work. Whenever you hear this recording, just is is the worship song for t- for this particular um for this particular um teaching all hell King Jesus. I can't sing that anymore. <laughs> I used to I could at least, you know, sound <clears throat> something yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Um, so we're going to start the Bible study, um, <clears throat> and, and we'll do the prayer at the end, as we've been doing all week. Um, if you could open us up here, we'll get started. <clears throat> okay. Um Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, we thank you for this for this call, allowing us fellowship and to come together to learn and to share in your word. Father, we pray that anyone who takes the time to call in or listen to the call later, that they hear something on, on here that will help them in their walk with you, Father. Father, we just we just thank you for continuing to to guide our steps. Father, we thank you for turning Sister Felicia's lights back on. We know you always make a way out of no way, Father. We just have to remember to keep the faith. We know that you know what we need and that you will provide for us. It may not be when we want, but when it happens, it's still always on time. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay. Um, So... um, Yesterday, uh, we spoke on Chapter 7, and we kind of skimmed through, excuse me, we skimmed through Chapter 8. Chapter 8 speaks on the miracles 
the righteous acts, excuse me, that Christ did, how he was healing and who he healed, and um, the storm that he said, peace be still, and um, the devils that were cast out of the um, the devils that were cast out of the man um, into the swine. And so um, it's like I didn't I have to to back up because I was going to start in chapter nine, but I did as I'm as I'm looking through chapter eight again to make sure that I, we didn't miss anything important. Um, sure enough, here here it is. Here's something. So, um, and I never knew this, and so this this lets us know that. Everybody is not going, everybody does not accept the gift of Christ and won't accept the gift of Christ, and we have to honor that. It might sadden us the way it saddens him, but just because you tell somebody how good God is, just because you give them the testimony, just because, you know, they see the blessing in your life, the peace in your life, whatever it is, it does not mean that they're going to accept Christ. They can see millions and millions of miracles, miracle upon miracle, and still look and say, no, no, thank you. And this is what happened. Um, so the man was possessed. So, so Christ right now in this particular section, he's in the, he's in the, um, the other side into the country of Gergen And, um, he comes upon the man possessed with two devils. Um, And it says they cried out saying, what have we to do with you, Jesus, thou son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before before the time? And so that shows you that they, that, that, the angels that were cast down into the earth and the demons that are at the beck and call of the devil, they know they were there when when God gave the timeline of what all was going to transpire. So the devil knows how long he has. The devil knows what's going on, you know, on the 
the overview. You know, he he doesn't know us on the individual the way that God does, but he knows what major events are going to take place. And you can tell that just by how these these devils um, interacted with Christ. In that one question where they say, what have we to do with you? Are thou come to torment us before the time? So they know the time. They know, they know that there will be a time when they'll be tormented. And they know about when it's going to come. And they were asking, so you tell them before? And he says, and there was a good way off from them, a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, if thou cast us out. So they already knew that it was a wrap because they were aware, you know, if if Christ was going to do what he was going to do, they needed to know that they had somewhere else to go. So they, they besought him and said, suffer us to go away into the herd of the swine. And he said unto them, go. And they would come out. They went into the herd of swine, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And so, you know, it's it's funny because if we're supposed to do as Christ, they acknowledged him. He acknowledged them, but all he said was go. It wasn't a fight or anything like that. He just said go. It was no conversation or or anything. So, again, what we do should reflect what he does. It's not this, 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 this beg and plea, but a command and authority. Um, my apostle, before he passed, way before he passed, he said um, he had a, a sermon called You Have Been Deputized. And he was talking about how we have authority that we're not using because we think that we should be asking, we should, we should actually be speaking. Like he said, so he said, what sheriff or deputy that know that they have authority is going to say, put your gun down, please? He was like, no, they are like, I have the authority. Look at this. I got the badge. I got the gun. Put your gun down. That's, you know, he said, there's no discussion. There's no, you know, he said, put the gun down. And in that authority, the, the person that they're speaking to will put the gun down nine times out of ten or whatever he said. Or because of the gun and the badge, they'll put the gun down. Not so much now, but back several years ago, they put the gun down. And so he was saying that that's even how we as believers should be. Like, instead of us asking, 
We're supposed to be speaking with authority and telling whatever the illness, the demon, or, or whatever, to go. And then if we use the authority correctly with faith, trust, and obedience, it all comes back to that, then it will be so. And so, and, since, and, they, and they that kept them fled. So the owners of the, the swine fled and went into the city and told everything and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. So there was witnesses to what Christ did. And they go into the city, and it says they told everything that had befallen to the possessed of the devil. And so it's like there were two possessed with devils, and Christ spoke and had them lead these two men that were these two, because it doesn't say men or women. It just that there were two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs. And it says the person that kept the swine. So they knew, because it, said, it says here that nobody passed these two people because of their possession, being possessed by devils. That's how strong it was in them. That they that nobody passed them out of fear, but then um, the keeper of the swine that went and in, in, ran into the waters and perished. They went into the city and told everything. And this is and behold, the whole city came out to meet Christ. Now, the whole city, I don't know how many to the city. I don't know how long it took for Christ to get to the city. It could have been a, a population of 20. But whatever it was, the whole city came out to meet Christ. And when they saw him, just seeing him, and the thing is, this is just them seeing him. They besought him that he would depart out of their coasts. And it's like, wow, so you know who he is and you know what he can do, but you don't want him. Okay. And and I thought that was kind of, that needed to be said because People that oh you know well no he he if if he was if he's if he was Christ reflecting God you know and him being the Son of God this is letting us know how God is we say it on the line all the time God is a gentleman he'll do what you say and so they said don't come over here. Apart from our coast, please, please leave. He said, okay. You ain't said nothing but a word. 
right, bye. You know. And so um, it references back to Deuteronomy 5 and 25. And um, five and twenty five. Okay. So Deuteronomy five and twenty five, it says Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore. Then we shall die. In verse 26, for who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and live. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord God shall speak unto you, and we will hear and do it. And so what what they did back in, in here in Deuteronomy with Moses and the Ten Commandments, they did again with Mass and, and you know in Christ began his ministry. And so it's just like an a, a endless cycle of rejection of the light of God, of the truth of the word. Well, I don't want to hear it directly from you. It's like, who does that? Why not want, why wouldn't you want to hear it from the source? But these people are saying, no, I don't want to hear it from you. Be gone. And so just like they did God, they did Christ. Same scenario. We don't want to hear from you. Leave our coast. And so um, going into chapter 9, before we start there, is there any questions or comments? Okay. And so it says, and he entered into a ship. So this is this is Christ leaving because they said, don't leave our coast. So Christ left and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, just knowing the thoughts. And see, again, if we have Christ in us, and we start beginning to acknowledge that fact. Because it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If we really begin to embrace that fact, we'll be able to hear 
the thoughts of man, will be able to, you know, and, and be able and because they have said at the end in the end times, we'll be able to know our fellow believers. So what is that? Oh, because we can hear or feel or see the spirit of the Lord upon that person. This is supernatural. This is not this is spiritual. This is not a natural thing. This is spiritual. So he is so in tune with God that he's and God be and God being able to know the heart and thoughts of man. He's so in tune with God that he's hearing the thoughts of the scribes when they said, Who is it? who is this man? That blasphemes. He says and Jesus Knowing their thoughts said, Wherefore think ye evil in your heart? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then says he to the sick of the palsy, Arise. Take up your bed and go into your house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So they this this act that he did, those who were in a sense, those who who saw it marveled and glorify God. They knew who to glorify. They glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So, again, with Christ being in us, we should be able to speak to someone who is searching for healing. You can't just walk up to anyone and lay hands. But if God gives you the unction to touch someone and and um and they're and they're looking for healing and you touch them in faith that they're healed, then you have to believe that thing. You have to believe I had um a coworker who um who had gotten shot. And he's been in the wheelchair ever since. And he was like, um, but he's Catholic. So, but he had said one day, he was like, man, uh, we were, because we were talking about um, the Bible. Because I was, I was on break and I was reading the Bible. He was like, oh, Oh, so you believe in you believe in God? And I was like, well, yeah, you know. And so um, he was like, yeah, I've been praying for God to heal my back, so I can get out the wheelchair. Da, da, da. I was like, I said, well, you know what? If you believe, if you really believe God will do it, He'll He'll heal you, you know. And he was like, well, yeah, but no, I don't think so. And so, um, like, a couple of years later, because I worked at the job for 16 years, 
So a couple of years later, I was um, stronger in my faith in God and what he could and would not do and things of that nature. And so I felt led one day to just, I didn't tell, you know, the guy what I was doing because we were friends by now. And so I just, you know, put my hand in his back and I was praying because, again, he was talking about, you know, sometimes he gets tired of being in the wheelchair and uh, I wish I could get healed. And so, um, you know, so I was, I was, uh, and he was in pain this day, and so I was praying for him. I asked him if I could pray for him, and he said, yeah. And so I'm praying for him. I'm praying for the pain to go, and, yeah, you know, this, this, that, and the other. And so um, I felt, I felt a difference come on me when I, was praying for him. And so I was like, I said, well, Lord, do, Lord, do, you know. And then, you know, and then I, you know, said amen or whatever. And and the guy said amen. But then he said, but, you know, it's not, uh, I don't expect it to work. And I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at him. I didn't know what to say at this point. Because everything that would have been, everything that could have happened was now canceled because of what he said, you know. And I was just like, oh, wow. You know, and so for this to be what God said to the scribe, when he said your sins are being forgiven, and they, they were thinking these thoughts. He said, you have evil in your heart, and the evil is unbelief. The evil is unbelief, not believing in what God has said and the, and, and the example that Christ was showing to show that, again, God reigns. He will do the same things over and over again. Healing is setting free and deliverance. And so um, in verse 9 it says, And as Jesus passed from hence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he said unto him, Follow me. And it's it's just funny. All he says is, follow me. And every one of the disciples that he chose dropped everything and followed him. So, again, obedience, trust, and faith, all wrapped in one. They just just say, oh, okay, we'll follow you. Gotcha. But we don't do that too much. We have to work on that. You know, I mean, they had it hard, too. I mean, it's like even back then they had to make a living. How were they going to eat? You know, they had had families and things of that nature. But when Christ said follow him, it was a no-brainer. Okay, 
I'll follow you. And it says he rose and followed him. And it came to pass, excuse me, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And so this particular this particular scripture verse has been taken out of context so much that it boggles my mind. Um Because the murderer will say, well, you know, as he's still murdering people, that's the thing, still in the sin, doing the sin, he, he'll say, well, Christ came with that with the publicans and the sinners. And so, you know, we have to know for ourselves, what that means. Yes, he sat with them. They talked with them, but they didn't participate in what they were doing. There's a difference. No, you don't, because, you know, the, um, there's, there's, a, there's several churches that have popped up, and they have bars, you know, they're, they're, they're in the bar. They have bars where they're selling beer. And they're like, oh, yeah, come to, come to service, get a beer, and we'll sit down. And it's just like you're taking this, con, this, this particular verse or passage out of context. You know, why would you sit and, and bring beer and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with drinking if you don't drink into excess. We already know that. Christ already said that. It's already in the book. As long as you don't drink into excess, it's okay to drink alcohol. I'm not saying don't drink alcohol. But my thing is if you know that in, in the midst of your congregation, in the midst of, you know, the people that you're speaking to, there may be a couple of recovering alcoholics. Why would you bring something that would be a stumbling block to them? We have to use wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to, to on top of everything else. You can't just know the book. You have to let the book and the Holy Ghost work together in tandem with you when you're ministering and use common sense like, no, okay, I'm going among the publicans and the sinners and I'm not the, I'm not supposed to be a stumbling block. I'm supposed to be bringing them hope and the gospel. And that's it. But we're trying to be trendy. We're trying to bring people in but it's the word of God that does that, not, ain't, not so much as your actions. 
if you're not lining up with the word of God. And so it says, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eat your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so he's saying, he said, I'm not, you know, your righteousness is not what I'm calling. That you're, you're, you're thinking that you're righteous because all you do is the law. And the thing is, Christ was the example to show us that the law is the standard. But living the law is something, it is not what you're doing, Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. That's not what you're doing. You're, you're, you're letting your, you have let what was supposed to be um, a guide be the be be a, a a stone around the people's neck because of the way that you're presenting it. What I'm going to do is present it the correct way, the way it's supposed to be done. And so that's what he was doing by being with the um, publicans and the sinners to let them know that God loves them. That's what we're supposed to be showing, that God loves and he doesn't want you to have to suffer. He doesn't want you to have to, you know, be where you are, walking in darkness. But again, everybody, every sinner is not, a, is not God. But you are meant to, when you are, when you are called to go out, and you might be speaking on a street corner or ministering on a bus or individuals or however God leads you, even if it's, you know, you know, saying hi to everybody that you see. That was my thing. I would say good morning and, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, and, and greet people. And that was my thing. I might, oh, sometimes you'd be like, well, how are you? And sometimes you'd be like, oh, and they'll give you the whole life story. And I had to be like, okay, I just, all right, you know, and listen to what they had to say because sometimes people just want to know that somebody is connected to them, even in that one moment that they're not invisible, that they're not alone. And, you know, and I would have, you know, that would happen to me once or twice a month where I would say, well, how are you? This is me on the train. Because, you know, on the train you're, you're always seeing, you, sometimes you see different people. And it, it would be like from 
the point that they got on until they got off or we both got off, they would be talking about whatever. But I could tell from just the look that they had that it was enough for their day to be better. And so um, my Bible refers to Hosea 6 and 6. And well, ladies, I got to go. Y'all have a good weekend, okay? You too. I wish I would have known you on the phone. I would have prayed yeah, for you. Oh, that's okay. okay. I was listening, but have a good weekend. I'll talk to y'all you, later. You too. Okay. I. And it says here in Hosea 6 and um, it says really in 6 and 5, and it says, Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and, and your judgments are as the light that goes forth. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There have they dealt treacherously against me. And so God was saying, the sacrifice, I'd rather them know who I am than for them to always give sacrifices. But the scribes and the priests had gotten so fat off of what people were bringing for their daily sacrifice that all they were doing was offering sacrifices. They weren't giving them who God was. So, again, when you look at what they're doing now, in the churches, they're not giving them all of God. They are giving them, you know, well, if, you know, the grace and mercy of God is, you know, will we'll give you riches and this and that and the other, but they're not giving them the fullness of who God is. So they're not, you don't hear repent. You don't hear God wants to work on you. He wants to He wants to to make you better than what you are. You don't hear that too much. It's all about what God will do for you as far as things, as far as what you ask, but not what God wants to do for you. And it says, um, uh, another reference is Micah 6. Micah 6. And Micah is uh, right after Daniel. Oh, not right after Daniel. But Micah is one of the the smaller prophets. It's just a minor prophet. There's no such thing as minor in nature, but um, it's Micah. Six. 
6 follows B6. Oh, yeah. Micah 6. And it says verses 6 through 8. And it says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed me, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee. Now this is this is this is what the Lord requires of us. He really didn't want the sacrifices. But because of the transgression from the beginning, the sacrifices were needed. But after Christ the sacrifices were no longer needed. Because at the end of the day, the whole point of Christ was to take away the the reason for the sacrifice and have us remember who he was so that we remember who God is and who receives the glory. Not us, not man, not the donkey, not the cow, not the money, but God receives the glory. And it says, what is good and what does the Lord require of us but to do justly, to do justly. That means being right before God and man, doing, you know, not not lying and cheating and stealing and to love mercy, showing forgiveness, showing love, and to walk humbly with our God. But that has not been happening. Because the minute somebody gets a PhD, a master's or whatever, and they have not been, you know, faithful in finding out who God is for themselves. But, you know, they acknowledge God through the whole time they were in school. They acknowledge God every time they took a test or whatever. But now that they have what they wanted, they no longer do justly, show mercy, or walk humbly before the Most High God. Now they take the glory off of God and put it on themselves. And it's like, this is what I've done. This is my accomplishment. This is what I bought. This is, you know, this house is, was was bought on my back in sweat and tears. Was it really? You're not gonna. You're not going to 
Let it be known that before you got the house, you prayed for that house, but now you're saying it's because of your your hard work. And then wonder why you're going through trials and tribulations. All right. Verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, John the Baptist, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. Then shall they fast. No man puts a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up takes from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. And the wine is and the wine runs out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. And so the, the Pharisees are saying, "Wait, we fast all the time." And Christ is like, "Yeah, you fast, but the the thing is, they know who they're with." You are being, you're doing the fast for the old reason. You know, whatever reason the fast was, you're doing it to be, basically you're doing it to be seen. But the thing is, they don't need to do the fast right now because I'm walking with them. They know who I am. They know that, that, you know, that I'm, walking in the power and authority of God. So there's no reason for them to fast. And the thing is, if they would have caught on to it, then they would have understood that the reason, you know, that they, that um, the disciples were fasting was because basically God with us, Emmanuel was right there. God was right there with them, so there was no reason to fast. Because when you fast, you're bringing yourself into a position of humbleness. You're bringing your you're bringing your flesh under subjection, so that you can go into the presence of God. That was the whole point of fasting. But the Pharisees didn't acknowledge Christ as the Son of God or having any kind of spiritual authority. But the disciples that he called understood on some level, because on some level, even though at the end when he went through his his um, his crucifixion and the disciples dispersed, up until that point, they acknowledged that there was something on him that made him the, you know, 
that, that drew them. For them to follow him is something that drew them, and it had to be the Holy Spirit. For them to drop everything, family, job, and everything, to go where he went, to listen to his teachings, and to follow his example. Is there any comments, questions, or concerns before I go any further? Uh, nope, I'm good. Okay. Um, so it says in verse 18, it says, while he spoke these things, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. And so this is the faith that this certain ruler had. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched him in his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now, when you read the different accounts of this particular story, I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Mark, Luke, or John, sorry. And it talks about this woman. Now the daughter is twelve years old. The daughter who died is 12 years old, and this woman is 12 years into her um, 12 years into her sickness of bleeding. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm, we're not gonna get to, we're gonna get to this chapter and maybe chapter 10. I don't know, but this is very important. This woman. The custom of the time was that as long as a woman was bleeding, that she was considered unclean. So she couldn't go around any family, any friends. She couldn't touch anybody so or be around people. So for 12 years, this woman spent all of her money trying to find some physician to heal her. So for 12 years, she was shown no affection. For 12 years, she was considered basically dead to whoever knew her because nobody would go around her. She, When, when you were in this state, you had to pronounce, proclaim, 
as you were walking unclean. And as you're walking, saying you're unclean, people would give you a wide berth and not even look at you. So for 12 years, this woman was in isolation. Even though she was around people, no one acknowledged her. And if for her to reach out and touch anybody was an offense because of her uncleanness, but her face said it's not that she even was going to try to grab his hand or touch his back. She said, I can just touch the hem. The hem is at the bottom. You know, the hem is the bottom of the jeans. I got a, you know, I got a hem of jeans at the bottom because they're too long. It's the bottom of the robe, the very bottom. So that means she wasn't even walking around anymore. She was crawling to touch Christ because she knew she had the faith and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And because her faith was so strong, Christ felt that, felt her touch him, even though there were people all around him on all sides because of the ruler who came and asked him to come and heal his daughter who was dead. And him knowing and feeling that faith because in, in the other in the other um gospel he said, I felt virtue leave me because that means he felt the faith that that was so strong in this woman that said, if I can just touch his, just touch a small part of what's attached to him, I will, I know this this illness will leave. And sure enough, he said, "Go, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made thee whole." And so when he did that, when he did that, the people around him knew that that woman had touched him because he called attention to that woman. And so that woman had been around for 12 years, so people knew who she was. So they witnessed the miracle of her being healed. So then it says, and the and, and um, Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. So the the girl had the girl who was twelve years old had died, and so they were outside doing the mourners' march that 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 they did, and he said, "Give place." For the maid is not dead, but sleep. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. 
and the same that hereof went abroad into all the land. So when they saw him walk in, and all he did was put out, took, took her by the hand, and she rose up from 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 her sleep, her death. And people were like, wow, wait, he's not crazy. Because that person would call him crazy. Like, no, she did. We checked the pulse and everything. She did. And he said, no, she's not dead. She's me. And she rose. And so when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him. Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe. Now this is a question. This is very important that we have to ask when we start laying hands. Because other than that, why? I, I always was like, well, why do you put that in there? Because certain details are needed because it's an instruction. He asked them, said unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this. And so the thing is, when it comes to us trying to lay hands, the question should be asked, do you believe if I lay hands on you, you'll be healed? Because the thing is that they say, no, then why do you want me to lay hands on you? Because it's by faith, not by sight, by faith that you're gonna that you you're receiving this. So if I lay hands on you and you don't believe I can do it, you're not gonna see the fruit of what I'm praying for. And they said unto him, Yes, Lord, then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. So if if someone comes and lays hands and they are, you know, they say they the question is asked, believe that able to do this, and they said yes. Okay, then it says then he said according to your faith, be it unto you. So again, it's about your faith. So you might say, I believe you're able, but do you have faith that it will be be done unto you? And if you don't, then again, it won't be done because it's by your faith. You know, and and it's and I'm learning that because I um, you know. Some people are being, some people like with Benny Hinn, you know, Benny Hinn. Some people were like, oh, he's a shyster, you know, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. I'm not going to put my mouth on him like that. But again, he, he 
gave the example of, okay, by your faith. It's like, why was it some people were made whole and other people were not? It depends on where they were in their faith. It's like, I see him up there healing somebody who looks just like me, who looks like, you know, um, I'm in a wheelchair, they're in a wheelchair. They got up and walked, but I believe he can do it. And you go up there and you don't get out of your wheelchair, but now you're like, but he's like, according to your faith. Well, it's in your faith, in your heart. You're like, I'm going to go up there just to see if it'll work for me. That's not faith. Just to see if it'll work for you, that's, 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 that is a double-minded. Because you're, you're saying if it works great, if it doesn't work great. I'm not losing out on anything. No, that's not faith. Faith is faith is a declaration where there's no double mindedness, where there's no, you know, well maybe mm, no. Either it is or it isn't. There. And it says, and their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them saying See that no man know it. So again, Christ is, you know, living what he was saying. You know, you're not looking, he wasn't looking to be glorified. He was doing it because that was who he was. Bringing glory to God. He doing what, what God calls all of us to do. Lay hands on the sick. Raised dead, set free, you know, talk to the little woman, the children, the homeless, all of this. That is what he was showing examples of. And every time he said, don't go and tell anybody. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. So they went and shouted it from as much as they could what Christ did for them. Um, Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. All right, so verse 32. And it says, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a, to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. 
a dumb man. It's not that he was stupid, but he was needy. So they considered him dumb because he couldn't talk. He was possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out the devils through the prince of the devils. So now they're calling Christ the Antichrist. They're like, he's the devil. That's how he's able to tell them to go because there he is and he's telling them to leave. And Jesus went about all the cities teaching, and so all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, Okay, and healing every sickness, excuse me, and every disease among the people, excuse me. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then says he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay. So um, the thing is, there were more then he was able to, even Christ was able to handle. Because what he was speaking on was not what was being spoken of in the synagogues before he came. So people were like, this is, this is what I was searching for the whole time. But the thing is, when you come to a place in time and even looking at the ministers now, it boggles my mind because and when, I, when I hear this, it, it just makes my, my teeth grit because I just, I just want to punch something. And they say, um, and I've heard it on TV more than anything. I've heard it, you know, from visiting ministers at our church. And we visit other churches, too. You know, I've heard it several times um, more than, than we should hear it. Should never have heard it. And they say um, when it comes to... And this is just a general example, but when it comes to giving, offering, and tithes, it's like, oh, you don't have cash? Well, you can use your debit card. Okay, I get that, you know. You're able to use your debit card. You know, get it out of your bank. But when you tell somebody to put it on their credit card, 
But the word of God says, I want you to be lenders, not borrowers. But you're telling somebody to basically borrow money to give offering unto you. I started scratching my head, and I said, what would you do that at? So now you're looking for someone, you're looking for your congregant, your follower, to pay interest on top of the offering. Because who's to say they're even able to pay the, the credit card bill? But because you've now spoken that, that, oh, yeah, I do have a credit card. It has a balance, but I have to pay on it anyway. So I'll go ahead and use the credit card to put my offering in. No. No, that should not even be something that you suggest or or make a choice because that's going against the word of God when he says, I don't want you to have to borrow. I don't want you to have to owe any man anything because, again, that's taking the glory off of God and putting it on man. Because now, okay, the thing is, when it comes to tithes and offerings, if you're able to do it and do it without remorse, again, he looks at the heart of man. Are you doing the tithes and offerings because by faith you know you're going to get that back? Or are you doing it out of guilt because you've been guilted into it? If you're doing it because of guilt, then God is like, keep it. Keep that. I I don't want it if you're not giving it in the right frame of mind and in the right state of heart. That's the one thing that I wish they would teach, not just will a man rob God, but no, it's saying, yes, you're supposed to bring your tithes and offerings in. This is what I'm saying. Who told us to stop at Paul? Paul put this out there like it was the be-all, do-all, but Christ is like, again, the more we read on this, and even in the Old Testament, it's about what is the motivation behind your giving. If you're giving because, again, depending on the reason why you give will determine your return. This person over here gives tithes and offerings every week, every month, or however they do their tithes and offerings religiously, but they do it in faith. And so they they see, they they are reaping what they're sowing. So they, you see them getting blessed. You see them. And so because the preacher says, are you going to rob God and yada, yada, yada. But you have, you, you're like, well, I, you know, you give it in guilt. But then in your heart, you're like, I need to do this, and there's no faith in it. And then you're giving it, and you see 
no fruit behind it. The fruit that you don't receive is because in your heart you're not giving it the right way. Hey, Felicia. Yes, ma'am. I may interrupt right quick. Um, I think also that, you know, because some churches now allow the <clears throat> the automatic withdrawal, and to me that's, that's even worse because, you don't even you don't even think about it anymore. It's it's not to me that's not paying tithes. That's the church just taking money out of okay. out of your account. It's another bill, right? You know, there's, there's no emotional um, anything. <clears throat> with um, and then what if you're being you know what if God tells you to give more or to give less or whatever? Um, it's automatically you know withdrawn from church. You don't even have to be in church, and they're still you know. Taking it out of, out of, out of your check. It's like there's no, there's no emotion involved in that whatsoever. I didn't know that. I, yeah, yeah, there are, there are some churches that will, that will allow that. Huh. Huh. Yeah. So basically, it's out of sight, out of mind. Still. Yeah, that's not, that's not paying ties to me. No. No. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's pretty much putting your ties into a rotation. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's not cool. Because you're supposed to willingly give. And um, too, for those who don't have a um, a bank account or either credit cards or a debit card, if they don't have anything mon- uh, if they don't have anything monetary to give, then they'll give of their time or volunteer or something like that. Because, like um, the story of the woman who had nothing and the and, and the person who had means. He gave what he, just to say that he gave, but then the woman, she only had like a few pennies, but that's all she had. She gave those few pennies, and she gave freely from her heart, but she that's how strong her faith was. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it just, I don't know. You know, it, it boggles my mind because, again, I, I'm, I understand it what the ties is for, but the way that they present it is in, it, 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 no, it takes away from what actually Christ taught. It, take, it, it takes away from, and when we stop at Paul, Paul gives a guilt trip if you don't give money, if you don't give your tithes and your offering, you know, and it's just like that's how the minister's preaching. Well, you should give. Well, I'm a single mother, and I'm only bringing in $200, and my rent is 150 and you want me to give 20 but I still have to pay for lights, groceries, and transportation to and from work out of that $200, then I'm not giving, I'm not a cheerful giver. 
And I'm not giving with a faithful heart. I'm giving because you guilted me into it. And then I'm wondering, I'm looking around like I'm not getting anything that you're even close to saying I'm supposed to get back. So now you've created this this well of discouragement within this individual because they're wondering what they're doing wrong and they're doing what you're telling them to do. Well, you said give faithfully, but and I'm supposed to give a hundred, you know, give give it give it back a hundredfold. But I'm not giving anything in return. And that's because you didn't tell them that God wants you to give it because in your heart you know that this is what gives him honor. But if you're not able to, if you don't, if if you don't have the faith to give this amount of money, then don't worry. Don't basically forget about it. Don't worry about it. But give what you what you and him between you and God, and I and I do that every you know when I have money, I'm like, okay, God, what do I get? What what do I give in time? You know what I what I have to do, but you provided this money. Tell me what to do, and He'll give me a dollar figure, and I'll put that into church. I don't put it down as tithes or offering. I just put it in church. But then I also donate my time, so it's like God lets me know what is sufficient from me. And he has provided for me because, again, two years, no job, still here. I can't complain. So it's like, okay, thank you, Lord. As long as you can say at the end of the day when you go before God, because it's only going to be you and him. If you can go before him and look him in the face and not be ashamed of your relationship with how your relationship with him on earth was, that is a good thing. That is a good, that that you know you've lived your life. But if you go in fear, then that means you know that you could have done better. But that's why I love, again, that's why I love this call so much because there are times I'm like, if I I were to perish today, yeah, Lord, sorry, I didn't do my best today. Let's work on it tomorrow, okay? You know, it's, it's a daily, it's a daily thing that we're working with, a daily thing. Our faith is not. And that's one thing I and I appreciate God so much and Christ so much because He understands that daily we are working on our faith. So He's asking us only to take each day. He said, I give you this day your daily bread. Give me this day my daily bread. Your day is your day is just that. Don't worry about what happened yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Look at your faith for today. 
Do you have faith that if you speak, you'll get what you need? Do you have faith that if you talk to God today, give your answer? If your answer is yes, then expect it. Expect it. Because I was telling my sister, I was telling my sister yesterday, before the lights came on, I said, I said, you know what? I said, I got to look at this a whole different way. He gave me another perspective to look at my situation because I told you guys I had received a blessing. And then 20 minutes later, my lights went out. And so I told her, I said, you know what? I said, God knew my lights were about to go out. That's why he gave me this blessing so now I can go and replace all the food that I lost in our refrigerator. I said, so he, if, if we're listening and paying attention, we, we can see the glory of God in our lives. But we are so blinded by all the negatives, we overlook the positives. I know Renee had said the other day she was going to start writing down every blessing she receives in a day. Those are the things you're supposed to be looking at. But the enemy will have us heaped down with all these negative images, you know, especially if you're somebody who watches the news or whatever, and you're, you're bogged down with all these negative images and not focusing on the glory of God. Before I go any further, are there any other questions, comments, concerns? Well, it's funny that you talk about what you just said because with the, with the day being Friday the 13th. Um, where you have a lot of people who are fearful of the day because they look at it as bad luck. Oh, yeah. If you go go in with the mindset of it being bad luck, then what good are you expecting to come out of it? Right, right. If you look at it on a positive end, 13 is also known as a baker's dozen. You're getting one more extra. Mm. Okay. Okay. And like what you were saying about with the credit cards and debit cards, mm-hmm. you're not giving freely. You're just giving enough to please your ego. Mm-hmm. Well, they took it out already. But see, he said, we come and pay our tithes and offerings. We still, when we come to pay our tithes and offering, we're still coming to be humble, to be obedient, and to be thankful. Mm-hmm. And going through a credit card or a debit card, that's impersonal. Not only that, you're giving more than your 10% because as soon as you put it on that card, it's going to wind up occurring fees. Exactly. And, you, and, and, and you're paying more. But then, too, you're not doing cheerfully. You're not doing willingly. 
into something for where, you know, you can't let somebody else do it for you because he's looking for you to come to him. You're looking for him to come to you. And what harm is it going to do to take some time out just to give homage? But see, like you said the other day, we can't serve two masters. When we're so tied up into pleasing others around us, that's not pleasing him. Exactly. And see, and then we're more being caught up in ourselves of, oh, well, um, I've done this for so-and-so, so now they got to do this for me. No, not necessarily. When we go through our trials and tribulations, it's not necessarily for the people who you help is the ones that's going to come back and help you. Because, again, you have to prove who's you with. And if you're looking for those same people that you help to come back and help you, then you're still caught up in yourself because now you think that you bought these people and you didn't. Mm-hmm. So it goes back over to the question. If Jesus came to give, why do we why do we still continue to hoard and control? Because you're following the doctrines of men and not of God. Right. That's the difference. Now, they had quite a few people, a couple of people they talked about, and they were people that were up in age, and they had won the lottery. And somebody asked them, what do they think is their good luck charm? They said every time they hit the lottery, they would go and give to certain organizations or either to certain people who don't have anything. Or either just go ahead and, and freefully and joyfully give to their church. They said they'll do that before they go do anything else with that with those winning. <clears throat> now I talked to a couple of people that went on the um went on to like the different casino boats and stuff like that. They come back and they said, Oh, I won this, I won that. I said, Okay, after you won. So the person that was sitting to the next to you, I mean to the left of you or to the right of you, you turn around and say, look, let me bless you with something. And they looked at me like, huh? I said, okay, now you won. In the midst of these people on the left to you and to the right of you, you didn't win anything. They just might have lost their last money for where it might have been gas money to go home or either to go. And it was like, I said, you know, you was blessed enough to win, so how about you taking some of that money and blessing somebody that's around you while you're at that place? Because you never know. You might have just stopped somebody from thinking they had to go commit suicide because they just got finished gambling the rest of all of their money away. Mm. And before you give them the money, you can say, look, I see you weren't having a good night. But, you know, this place may not be for you. But I'm going to give you this money, and I'm leaving it upon your heart to do the right thing with it. So if you need to get away from here and something's got you and you can't get away because you just gambled away your last set of money, here goes some money to put some gas in your car and go home. I said, see, now, this is like a drug. you letting it control you. You're not using your better mind to control and get away from it. 
And they was like, oh, I never thought of it like that. I said, right, because see, guess what? He could have won. You could have been down on your luck. Wouldn't it have been nice for him to turn around and say to you, oh, well, here goes something to brighten up your day? You're in an area of a bunch of folks who's looking for a miracle to come through. You could be that miracle. Right. Okay, and then, too, once you win, is it going? are you going to let this come back for where now you're full of yourself, you feel like you're invincible, you stay there and you lose all the money back? Which, guess what? With that money that you want, you could have planted some positive seeds. But as long as we stay tied up in ourselves and then wonder, how come we ain't moved no, fur- no further? How come we still back in? Because of look at your mindset. You're so busy being, you're so busy worried about being seen by a man instead of doing the right thing. And as soon as we go right back to wrong loans, we go back to broke status, then we go back into like a depression. But like they said, money comes with no instruction. But how you work what you have, that's what's really going to show. But you got to take yourself out of the equation to a certain extent. Because it's not about you. It's not about, say, look what I've done. It's just down to the point of being obedient and uplifting someone who who does, who who who's pretty much Working with little little to no faith and little to no hope. Comments, criticism? I mean, I don't have, um, and the only thing is about, is about the minister. I mean, if you're going to be, if you, wherever you go, you should be ministering on some kind of level. And so, I mean, even if, you know, even if you're not giving, are you saying anything about God? You know, are you, you know, that's, that's the one thing that kind of is funny to me when you hear Christians say they're going to the boat. It's like, are you ministering while you're on the boat? Like, or are you so focused on what you're going to win, you know, and and the question, and you know, because I had asked, I had asked that of somebody, and they were like, God, go to win, and I'm like, oh, oh, excuse me, and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, I I just I thought I left it at that because I was just like, but why are you going to gamble if you're not going to minister? Right. You know, and so um, I just kind of left it, left it open that way. And, um, you know, and she kind of looked at me strange after that, but I was just like, oh, well, we're supposed to be reaching out to people, and but you're not saying anything when you're on you know, when you're on, when you're doing your gambling, you know, are you giving hope? 
like you say, are you giving hope out to anybody as you're mm-hmm. going in, as you're going out? Are, you know, are you saying anything? You know, but at the end of the day, it it, it really goes back to your individual, um, your individual relationship with God. You know, because they say everybody who says I'm a Christian isn't a Christian. Everybody who says I'm a believer isn't a believer. A believer of what? A believer in who? You know, it it's, it makes you question, and they should question themselves, like, do I really believe? Am I really a follower of? Because at the end of the day, this is why we're doing this. This this um this is what I, I believe God had me do this particular this particular like in depth look not just for y'all but for me because we stop at Paul and Paul is the reason why there's such a division in the church but if we look at what was said before Paul. And put then put what he says into context with the teachings of Christ, then we get a better understanding of the way we should live and the way we should move. And if we're not the the one, the, you know, there's four things that always stand out in the Word of God to me, and that's trusting Him, being obedient. Um, trust, being obedient, um, and having faith, and then two, the last thing, being humble. But foremost, we're supposed to be humble because once we humble ourselves, because without being humble, we're not going to have faith, trust to obey. So first, we have to humble ourselves. And glory and bring the glory back to God, and then in that we have faith, trust, and and believe that He will do and honor His word. But if we're doing anything outside of that, then God is just like, eh, you're a work in progress. Okay. <laughs> It's still a work in progress. I'll still work with you. So that's what the Holy Ghost is for, to work with y'all, you know, to help you get there. For those that are his, to help us get to each, to where we're supposed to be. Okay. So um, at the end of Chapter 9, Christ said to his disciples that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So that means that there's a whole lot of people that are looking for the word of God, but there's not enough people that's willing to share the word of God. And so in chapter 10 it says, and when he had called unto him, his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits 
to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And so if we're his disciples and he gave he has given us the Holy Ghost, he has given us the power against unclean spirits and all manners of sickness and disease. So again it's about us being humble, obeying, trusting and and um, having faith that he has given us that authority and then walking in it. And it says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and his John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Now this is the command for the people that are called. It says, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter you not. So these 12 were not meant to be going to the, to the other nations or Samaria. They were only meant to go to those in Israel. At first, he says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, Raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver, nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet stays, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So he's saying, All they're supposed to be going, the 12 disciples were only supposed to be going to the lost sheep of Israel, to the believers, the ones who were from the house of Jacob and who were out of Egypt. Those were the ones that, you know, and those that were scattered abroad, those are the ones that these 12 were supposed to go for not the other nations of Samaria, 
just for Israel. And it says, and they were supposed to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And again, we have to remember that the kingdom of heaven is at hand daily because we don't know the day or the hour that we're supposed to die. Only God knows that. So it's like daily the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So preaching the rapture, that's good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, but the kingdom of heaven being at hand, you don't know when they're going to die. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week, five years from now, ten years from now. But the kingdom of heaven is at hand on a day. You could walk out your house today and get hit by a car. Those are the things that we have to tell people because they think even the young kids, they think they have forever. Well, I don't, you know, I don't want to get saved right now because I want to have fun. And I told them, I said, you can have fun and be saved. What kind of fun are you looking to have? where you don't think you can, you know, where you don't want to be saved. And and the, and the answer, of course, is something physical. Well, you're not supposed to be doing that anyway. You'd rather do that and, 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 and not be saved than to live holy? Hmm. He said, choose you this day who you will serve. And so it says, um, provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. And so he's saying, don't take anything extra. You just go. And because of your works, you will be you will be recompensed. Because of whatever you're doing, you know, and that's the thing. Just like the priests, the Levitical priests from before, because they were priests, they were automatically given clothes to wear, money they, to buy things that were needed. They were given food to eat. So they didn't, because they were doing the work of God, they were already provided for. And so Christ is saying, because you're about to go out and do that, um, prayer, now this is, this is because you're going out to do that of a priest, which is basically bringing and letting and healing, and bringing the word of God. Then you will be you will be um, given what you need, what's needed. Your provision will be given to you from those that you're giving the word of God to. And it says in verse eleven. And into whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire in it, inquire, I'm sorry, who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go from there. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And who shall ever, whosoever 
shall not receive you, nor hear your words. When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And so, again, it's referring back to what they were doing with the priests before and the prophets of before, like with um, Zechariah. Zechariah? Oh, sorry, no. It was Elijah and how even as he went back and forth in preaching the word of God, a woman of good measure, I mean, she had money, she built the man of God a room onto her house so that whenever he passed by, he'd have a place to lay his head. And so that's what Christ is saying. Because of you being the mouthpiece of God and you you healing a manner of sickness and disease and you're doing this for the homeless and the widow, you should be provided for by somebody of work, which means they have money. And because they know who you are and who you're representing, they should accept you. But if not, don't get mad. Just be like, okay, you know, and then shake the dust off and keep it moving. Don't let that bother you. You're doing the will of God here. And so as long as you're doing the will, it's not up, you know, you're not going to force it. But if they don't accept it, then okay, well, they don't accept it and keep moving. But he said that the judgment will be upon them because you tried to offer them, uh, you know, like with Sodom and Gomorrah, um, they were judged and not given you know, even though they already knew who God was, they, you know, decided to do their own thing. But you knowing that these that this is the man of God that you turned away and not receiving them, your judgment is even worse because you knew and didn't want to hear it. And you had the opportunity. But they, Simon and Gomorrah, they had already chosen their way. So even though they were burnt up or whatever, your their judgment is even worse because they had the opportunity to hear and receive and did not. Verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, here's the thing. This is saying, behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. And what they're saying is he's sending them out 
into that's 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 like walking a black man walking into a KKK meeting. But knowing that he has the power of God and knowing that he's able to go through there and not be harmed. So he's already he already knows what the situation is. And that's what God that's what Christ is telling the disciples, you're going out into the world where you will meet adversity because, you know, wolves go after sheep all the time. And so Christ is like, you're going to, you are going into, you're going into the arena where you can be eaten alive. You have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, you have people who don't want to hear about Christ or God. So you are you are going to come against a lot of opposition. But he says, be you wise as serpents. That means be the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that you have. Use it against whatever comes at you. You can use your words. You have the word of God. You're able to discern. You're able to to speak. You have the authority. Go and use it. And be as harmless as doves. You're not trying to you're not trying to be anybody up with the word of God. So you have to you have to be able to do both come hard and come soft because you might have to this one over here is a wolf, but this one over and so you have to come at them wise as a serpent. But over here you might see someone broken where you can't use serpent tactics. Excuse me. You can't use serpent tactics on a broken person. So now you have to be able to use the wisdom to come harmless as a dove. That's what Christ is saying. And it says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you should be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, for a testament, a testimony against them and the Gentiles and the nation. Gentiles mean nation. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. So he, again, God does not leave us unaware of the repercussions, the effects. Just like we even got a commercial on TV. I was looking at TV last night at my sister's house. And um, we're looking at the commercial, and it talks about, you know, a particular new drug that's on the market and the side effects. God will not have you 
go into a situation that he has called you to go into without telling you the side effects. So you can't say ever say, I didn't know I was going to get beat up by saying, God bless you. Yeah, he lets you know in his word more than once, you're going to get beat up by saying, God bless you, or Jesus loves you, or Jesus lives, and this is how you should live. Yeah, he let us know. More in, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old, that it will not be received on good ground all the time, that somebody is going to want to hurt you, not just your feelings, but your body. And, and, and I'm going to be honest, that's another reason for me why I'm kind of like a scaredy cat when it comes to... Um, doing the other things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. Because I'm like, do I really want to have somebody come and hit me and spit on me and all this other stuff? I'm like, hmm, not really. But it's coming down to the wire, and we're all supposed to be in our place. And God has called all of his people to do and be in certain areas so that we can be that light that shines on the hill to tell people it's this way. Hope is this way. The love of God is this way. Other people might pass and try to blow that light out punch it out, slap it out, you know, but that one or two that are, is looking for that, the, the sign, will be like, oh, there it is. Tell me more. Okay, thank you. I'll keep going. I'll keep moving. And so it says, he says, but when, you, when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. In that same hour. So you don't have to worry about it because he says, for it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaks in you. And And we have to remember that. I have to remember that. A lot of the stuff that I see on this line, unless I go back and listen to it, which I don't do at all, I'm going to be honest, I don't remember half the stuff I say, unless it's revelation for me, and then it sticks with me. And I'm like, wow, Lord, really? You know, that's why as I minister to you, I minister to myself, and I catch what I need so I can continue on. The thing is, God God is awesome in that he will give you, you might not know it or believe it, but honest to God, he gives it to you. He gives it to you in good measure what you're supposed to say. And then you know it's not you. 
I know when it's me talking and I just shut up. I'm like, okay, let me just shut up. I'm going back on you. I don't, because I never want to be outside of what he wants to get across. I never want to be outside of that. And so it says, and um, verse 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Now, this is, this is not just for then. This is also a prophecy right here. It says, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. This is even happening now. Because the thing is, because it says, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endured to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you, it didn't say if, it said but when they persecute you in this city, Flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. So this is saying, for these disciples, he's saying, look, and this is even, again, this is even now. It's like you, you, the kings and the councils and um, the governors they don't want they don't they don't want to hear about God anymore. No, let me rephrase that. They don't want to hear about Christ. You can say God all day, but the minute you say Jesus Christ, they wanna shut you up. Because if you say God, you can mean any God. God is a general term. That's why you know you you know you hear um, Yahweh or Emmanuel or you know Heavenly Father. The thing is, when you when you use God, it's such a a broad term that they don't know if you're talking about the Most High God or not, unless you're more specific. But when you say Yeshua or Jesus Christ or the Messiah, they are livid and upset. I don't want to hear about that. Mm-mm. You can leave. Go on now. And, and, and the thing is, because of the persecution where people are so easily offended, they will look at your Facebook page, every social media you're on, and they, if, and especially if you are um, a ministry, they are getting so vindictive now in their persecution that they will go to your page purposely and report you as someone who offended them. And because they say that it's a, if you were reported, they will shut down your social media, 
until they finish their investigation, their so-called investigation. But it's really just because that person is offended. The atheist group are shutting down coaches and, you know, different activities because they don't believe in prayer. And so they want to spout out a separation of church and state. Again, taking the law of the land, just like they take the law of God out of context, they take the law of the land out of context regarding the separation of church and state. But because nobody knows the law or understands the law, or or has the wisdom to go and, and or the or the strength to go and speak against it, they're winning. They're winning their cases because and they're setting precedence. So now there's precedence on the book, on the law books where the atheists wanted in Washington or in California so now they're using that same trial to win all over the country. Well, it was one over there in California, and the coach lost his job, or he had to stop praying over the um, the athletes before, or he can't kneel before or after the game in in the in the open. He could do it behind closed doors, but we don't want to see him do that before the game or after the game. We don't want to be able to. We don't want to have to see that, and nobody should be able to have to see that. But who was it hurting? Nobody. But because of their voice being so loud. And God already letting us know that this was coming. It, it's it's just unfortunately that's how it is. And they said we should be hated for His namesake. Verse twenty four: The disciple is not above his master, nor the ser- the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that be that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house the eyes above, how much more shall they call them of his household? So God so Christ is referring back to when the Sadducees and the Pharisees called him the devil and that he was the devil casting out devils. Well, he's saying, if I'm the master and you're following me and they're talking about me and doing this thing to me, how much more do you think they're going to do to you? Do you really think that you're not going to get the same treatment or worse because you're representing me? He was like, no, don't get it twisted, yo. This is what's going to happen. Whatever you see happen to me or said about me will also be done and said unto you. 
There is no division. The good and the bad will happen. Just like it says, it rains on the just and the unjust. The persecution will be the same way. It will be unjustified as well, but it will fall on you just like it fall on me. There is no separation. It says, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be made known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. So he's saying here, he said, nothing will not be hidden from us. It should not be hidden. We'll know the stuff that's going on in this world on my timeline. Um, I only have Facebook, but, you know, there's certain people that I used to follow in um, their information in YouTube because it was like before I really got, you know, I go between Facebook and YouTube. And... um. On YouTube, they showed it was it was it was kind of like wow, but they were showing how in the Simpsons. I want to say it was ten years ago, or eight years ago, or whatever. They showed Donald Trump being the president of the United States. This is before Trump even said anything about running for president anything like that. But it showed Trump being president of the United States. And it was just like, and so they did a whole compilation of um, snippets of um, not just The Simpsons, but of American Dad and a couple of the other cartoon family guys there were certain things that were said and done. And then what they did was they did a back and forward. And what they do is they showed the snippet of the the um, the episode, and then they showed real news time. They showed, and, it, it, and it's been going on for years. So it's like if we're not paying attention, if we're not paying attention, we missed God revealing what will happen. So is it hidden? No. But what happens is if our eye is on the things in our hand and our eyes are not on God, then we're going to miss what the, 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 um, the signs. We're going to miss the information that he wants to give in our ear or wants us to see. So we have to pay attention. We have to be aware and conscious daily and not just let stuff pass us by and and and, and take it as a one-off. Like, oh, that's strange, and then discount it. No, look at it, look at it for a minute. And be like, oh, that's strange. 
Hmm. Let me let me let me um maybe write that down and see if something comes of that later. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I've seen that I wish I would have wrote down because then I have this this. I'm like, I did, and my sister's like, we just spoke about that. And I'm like, I thought we had a conversation about that. That's how God wants us to be. Before I finish this chapter, are there any questions, comments, concerns? Okay. It says, um, 20, verse 28, and fear not them which kill the body. I just read that part. I'm like, now, sticks and stones hurt, but you say kill the body, Lord? And it's like, ugh. All right. And he said, don't fear it. Oh, okay. But are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And what's so interesting is the ministers don't preach hell anymore. They don't preach hell anymore. So if you're not preaching hell, but then you have, you're telling them to go out and minister unto the people. Now they're fearful of getting killed, and so they don't minister to the people. But Christ is saying, don't fear that they can kill your body, but fear me who can put you in hell. And you're like, okay, kill the body. Hell, kill the body. Hmm. Well, you know, that's pretty much a no-brainer. Kind of. If we step outside of myself. Now that comes back to being humble and then trusting, obeying, you know, and, and knowing that whose we are. And it says, are not two sparrows so far farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than any, than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me, before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whoever, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I am come not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father 
and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and the man's foes shall be they of his own household. So he's saying, he's saying from verse 29, he says that we are more valuable, more valuable than the sparrow. And because of that, um, you know, God, he says, God even, it shows, he gives the example how valuable we are. God even knows how many hairs is on your head. So, and it says that what we shed so much hair each and every day. So on a daily, God knows how many hairs are on your head. So he knows what you need on a daily. He knows what you're going to go through on a daily. Because that's how valuable you are to him. But the thing is, Christ is saying, if you deny me, though, that's the key. If you deny me, I'll deny you to the Father. But if you are, but if you speak about me, then I'll speak about you to the Father. That's something. That shines a whole new light and perspective on everything. And then it says, he says, I'm not coming to send peace into the earth, but with the sword. The sword is the book. The sword is your book. This book that we're reading out of right now. And he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. But a lot of ministers are talking about peace, 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 peace. God is a God is God of peace and love and blah 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 blah. And it's not saying that he's not. But the peace that we're really looking for, it doesn't really come into the end because we're still living with with um with fools that that are willing to be possessed by devils. That willing to be used by the devil, who the devil uses because they open that door, and the devil we're fighting a fight against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, principalities and powers on a daily basis. So if we're constantly in that fight, how can we say that peace is here? But with the sword of the Lord, his, his sword, this Bible being the sword, is saying, he said, but a sword. And I am come to set a man against, at variance against his father. So because of this word that we're trying to walk out, you're going to be fighting family. Family first, y'all. Not not the stranger. It don't matter about the person on the street, but you're talking about your family, blood relatives that are are looking to, you know, when it comes down to it. And the day is coming where they're gonna choose their stomach over you. It's coming down to it. I don't know when. 
I don't want to know. That's the thing. I don't want to know because I know it's coming because it was written. It is written. But they will choose their stomach over you. It will be Jacob and Esau all over again. It will be Joseph and his brothers all over again. I will spell you out, Judas and Jesus, all over again. I will sell you out for money. I will sell, oh, they said that, um, because even now, I think it's in California, and, and I'm going to not say that part, Lord, but that's, that's why so much stuff is happening, and the earth is groaning because they're trying to set precedences and laws that not only affect that they're affecting everything. But at the end of the day, it comes down to to be a believer in the true word of God. Not the RC church believing, but but the true word of God, living it the way it's supposed to be lived, doing it the way it's supposed to be done, not stopping at Paul, but going back to the way Christ had lived, If you start living the way Christ said live, you are in jeopardy of persecution. You are in jeopardy of your mother and father who say that they're believers turning you in because you're being radical now. Uh Uh-uh. You're doing too much. You're saying too much. You're, You're acting. Your righteous acts are too much. Because now you have set a standard that is making everybody around you uncomfortable because you're living as Christ, not as Paul, not as Peter, but as Christ. And there's the difference. And it says, um, and a man's foes should be day of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And look at the ministers. There's a couple of ministers who have turned their back on the word of God because their son or daughter is um, a homosexual and wanted to get married. They were willing to turn their back on the word of God to marry their child to the significant other, in quotation marks, even though they knew it went against the word of God and then tried to justify it. Then you have this other woman who was a minister and decided to get an abortion. And she, knowing the word of God, said that she believed that God had no problem with her killing her baby. So, Again, 
Nothing's hidden. Nothing's new. But he said this is what's going to happen. And if you love this stuff, your family more than Christ, and you're willing to sacrifice him and knowing him for them, then you never loved him. You're supposed to love God more than anything because Christ represents, Christ is God, Emmanuel, God with us. So if this is, you know, him being the, the flesh part of God, being presented in the earth, and you don't represent him at all. You don't present him to your family because I don't want to offend them by talking about Christ. He's saying, you're not worthy. It says, and he that, he that taketh not his cross and follows after me, is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. So he's saying here, he says, if you lose, if you're looking for your life outside of God, you're going to lose it. It's as simple as that. Because life outside of God is death. But, he says, if you lose your life for my sake, you shall find it. So if you take no consideration for your life, but you live the will and the do of the Most High God, then you have found your life. You have found your calling. Your reason for being is because of God, to bring glory to God. So if that means you're working at McDonald's or you're the CEO of a conglomerate, it doesn't matter if you're doing it because you lost your life in Christ. So you know the glory belongs to God that everything that you do, you do in to give the glory to God. Verse 40, he that receives you receives me, and he that receives me, I'm sorry, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. Again, it goes. So, no, it's not meant to confuse you, but it's meant for you to go and remember what he says. I am the true vine. I am in God, and God is in me, and I am in you. So he's saying, he that receives you, being a believer, preaching the word of God, the Christ resurrected, if they receive you, they receive Christ. If they receive Christ, they receive the Most High God, the Heavenly Father. And so, but the negative is the same. If they don't receive you, they don't receive Christ, 
they don't receive the Holy Father. So he says in 41, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. And so, again, this is why I say, why do we stop at Paul? Why do we stop at Paul? Because the thing is, it's, it's, it's like you receive the righteous man's reward or the prophet's reward, you know, um, But if that prophet or that righteous man ever goes in error and you're still following everything that they say and do without looking at Christ as well, then if they ever got lost, then you would be lost. So again, I give the disclaimer like I've been saying all week. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the letters of Paul. Paul wrote a lot of letters, and he expounded on a lot of things. But who told us to stop at Paul when we have so much that Christ said himself, and he's the son of God? So everything that was preached and taught by the disciples, it wasn't anything new. It was what they heard coming from the mouth of Christ that they just went to the different people who didn't hear it and and, and repeated it. So but if we go back and we look at all that Christ has said, praying in the Spirit, and going and looking in the Old Testament, because everything that Christ said lines up with what God said from the beginning. And it's like it, it all works together. It all works together. And if we just stop at Paul, We'll lose out because, again, Paul was a man who started out persecuting the church. But I'm sorry, hello. We know people backslide all the time. So how do we know if Paul never backslid? How do we know Paul never reverted to his own way of thinking at any time? But we don't know. All we can do is go by his letters. But if we go back and compare what he said to what Christ said and did 
up until, you know, Acts, after he talked to the disciples that last time, we will lose out on the richness and fullness of what Christ represented and what God wanted us to know. And so I'm not going to go any further today, but um, we're going to keep continue in Matthew until Matthew is completed. Um, so we're going to, um, I will be doing uh, church on Sunday and Bible study on Monday, as usual. and. We'll just continue. I don't know. Am I doing church on Sunday, Pam? Or is Sam going to be back? Do you know? Nope, you're doing it. <laughs> you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> he, he won't be back until uh, Monday evening. Monday evening, okay. All right, so um, on Sunday, we'll continue with Matthew. Sunday and Monday, um, which is the regular Bible study. And then that, every Monday Bible study, we're going to continue in Matthew until we get to to the conclusion of the matter. You know, um, and it's it's awesome because Christ was just kind of given from being more than just a man to just this little, you know, they just, unfortunately, the ministers just gave him, well, he was the son of God, and he came, he lived, he died, he was resurrected. He said seven things on the cross, and... um. He has the keys of death and hell, and now he's sitting on the right hand. And they skip all of this other stuff, you know, that that is important. And reading this with you guys, it just shows how much we're missing out on by not looking at the Gospels better. See what the ministers, excuse me, are doing over the pulpit. So, that being said, are there any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns? I'm good. All right. We're going to do prayer and then... um, we're going to close out and start our weekend. So I'm still laughing, Pam, because I'm like, oh, when we started, I'm like, oh, we should be through within a week. <laughs> nah. <No. laughs> yeah, God was laughing, too. <laughs>
We give thanks and honor and worship to the Most High God. And we just thank him um, for all that he has done. And he never does anything else. You know, he has, Christ said on the cross, it is finished. And the finished work was his sacrifice for us so that we're able to go before the Father humbly and openly without any hindrances. And so, Lord, we thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for being able to come to you and worship you openly without hindrance. And we come for those who are sick and shut in, looking for healing in hospice. We stand in agreement with them. And we speak into the atmosphere, healing of cancer, all manner of cancer, healing of bone disorders, all manner of bone disorders all manner of endocrine and um, lymphatic disorders, all manner of bladder and pancreatic disorders, all manner of digestive and stomach disorders, of skin disorders, Lord, it's because of you we're able to speak those things that are not as though they were. As long as we do it within faith, trust, and obedience to your word and to the 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 um, instruction and examples that have been set forth. Lord, we just thank you for the healings as they come, confounding doctors and specialists who said that there was nothing else that could be done, that the medication was needed and that person is no longer needing the medication. The blood pressure and the blood pressure and the diabetic. We open up. We speak an opening of the arteries and the valves and the body. The inflammation to decrease and be eliminated. That the blood flow is is unobstructed in the name of Yeshua. That the sugar levels of the individual, oh Lord, evens out that their pancreas not emit as much as it has a has a regular um that it, it it has is regulated, Father God. We speak to the pH levels in the bodies of God that that um has some impact on 
cancer cells and all the other sicknesses and diseases. Lord, begin to show your people what to eat, how to eat, when to eat, so that we can walk in health, so that we can walk without, um, you know, any kind of surgeries or AIDS. As canes, and I look around, Lord, and it's just you can do it. If we listen to you and what you say, you can reverse anything as long as we sit in your will and in obedience and trust the words that you let us know on how to live. We come for the ministers of all titles, apostles, teachers, prophets, whatever ministry they have, oh God. We come for the missionaries. We come for those who go into the highways and the byways, oh God. Continue to strengthen them to speak the truth. You said the, the the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, God. And so, Lord, those who are willing to harvest for you, God, continue to strengthen them and keep them. Let them not be weary and well-doing. We come for those who are saved. I'm sorry. We come for those who are unsaved and bound. We come for those who are in prison, abused and addicted. Father, because they they are bound and they don't know it. Or they are bound in jail. Or they are bound by their addiction, by their abuser. But Lord, let us be that light on a hill that shines and let them know the way is over here. The way is over here, following you, that makes everything so much better. It's not that you said that we weren't going to go through, but going through with you is better than going through without you. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, just give them the peace that they need to have, that one moment of clarity to cry out, Abba, Father, to you so that you can Step in and save, heal, and deliver. And, Lord, I come for um, prayer-shifting ministries and their and the members and the trauma church ministry and its members and um, this, this, Lord, you know each and every individual. But we come for the mediator that you put over both, God. For Sam Farley, we come for him, Father God, that you will, that this week that he took off, we pray for his his peace and spirit, soul, and, and body. We pray for protection for him, oh God, that as he comes and prepares to come back to listen or to take Whatever, oh Lord, we ask that you will just continue to strengthen him and the sacrifice that he gives. That you will continue to watch over him, his family, 
friends and seven degrees of separation, that you will continue to give him and pour into him as he pours out to others. Because we know it's not just on this line that he pours out, but you have put him in a place where people have come to him on a daily for counsel and for prayer and for and for just encouragement. And he is always willing to, even though he may be tired or going through his own situations. And so, Lord, we ask that you'll watch over his finances, his health, and his faith so that he may not waver but continue on for his good and for your glory. And, Lord, we come for all the spiritual gifts and the list of people that Sam prays for. Lord, we thank you that you have increased in each of their lives. We don't know how you have increased. They don't know that we're praying for them. But, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the deliverance and the healing and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit upon them, the ones who have gotten saved, the ones who have been set free, the ones that have been delivered, the ones who are following you, oh God. We thank you. We thank you. We give you glory because it's by you that they are not consumed, not by anything else. And we thank you for the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. Thank you that they help in our walk with you and our will to do your will. Where we have doubt, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Be our strength where we are weak. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. By the righteousness of Christ, we come. Amen. Are there any um, other comments, questions, concerns, requests for individual prayers before we close out? Um, you can pray for me. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Ooh. All right. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I apologize. That was rude. Um, hold on one second. It's Pam.
Okay. Tough love. 
And so in her scrappiness and her being willing to bring him in in spite of how he was acting, she got through to him. And that's how you are and how Lisa is. It's like you just need to use your scrappiness. Yes, I'm going to keep saying that word so that it gets in your spirit, your scrappiness. Just like scrappy on Scooby-Doo. And say, da 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 puppy power. And they always had to stop him from going in and try to, because he was scrappy. That's you when it comes to something you believe in. But when it's, when God calls you to do something, you kind of say, no, I can't do that. Use your scrappiness to do it. And so, Lord, help her to keep her scrappiness so that help her to remember her scrappiness, not keep it because she has it on her all the time, but help her to remember her scrappiness so that, Lord, when you call her to do her service for you, that she doesn't get fearful, that she doesn't back up, that she doesn't, you know, um, give excuses or um, anything. But in you reminding her of her scrappiness, she just is just willing to do until it's all said and done for her good and for your glory. By the righteousness of Christ, we come. Amen. Amen. All right. Is there anybody else on the call? Um, There had been earlier... uh, let me see. I don't know if Renee is still on. And Erica had been on on the computer. Okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm as always. I thank y'all for. Um. Well, let me, let me do it right away. Are there any other questions, comments, or concerns? Request uh, testimonies, anything anybody wants to share before we close out. Uh, nope, I am good. I'm good. All right. All right. All right. So, Miss Pam, if you wouldn't mind closing us. Out, I was so appreciated. Okay, Father, we thank you for this ability to come together this morning to share and to learn in your word as well as to fellowship. Father, we just say a prayer for all those that took the time to call in this morning and for those that will listen in on the call later on, praying that they heard something that will help them in their walk with you, Father. Father, as we end this call today and and start our weekend, we just pray and thank you, Father, for guiding our steps. We're praying that we are remembering to, to seek you, Father, before 
during, and afterwards each of the events in our lives. And, Father, we just we say a prayer for those that are struggling and, and going through some things, praying that they remember to seek you first also, Father. Father, we just thank you for this day that you have made, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Thank you, Father, for your unconditional love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As always, thank you, ladies, for walking through the Bible with me, and I'll hear you guys on Sunday. Okay, everyone. Have a blessed weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.